0: This is Why We Write, a podcast of Leslie University. Each week, we bring you authors from the Leslie community to talk about books, writing, and the writing life. My name is Georgia Sparling, and today I'm speaking with Michelle Knudsen. Michelle is a faculty member in our low-residency MFA in creative writing program and is a New York Times bestselling author with 47 books for young readers, including board books, picture books, early readers, and middle grade and young adult novels. Her most recent book is the conclusion of her Evil Librarian Trilogy, which we'll talk about today. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Michelle. Thanks for having me. So first off, um, in keeping with the title of this podcast, why do you write? Like, what got you started?
1: Oh, um, I mean, I think like a lot of writers, I was a reader first, and um, I mean, I I was such a reader that I couldn't. Think of anything else that I would want to do when mm. I grew up, um, other than become an author myself. Although originally I thought I grew up on uh, science fiction and fantasy okay. almost exclusively. Oh yeah, <laughs> and <clears throat> so my first plan was to become uh, an adult fantasy author um, and write like big giant doorstopper novels. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> that, <great. laughs> In other worlds, and I kind of fell into children's books by accident, um, but it. It's sort of a perfect blend of all the things that I like because I still get to I still, I still get that wide sort of field of anything goes um, that exists in fantasy. and I do write fantasy mm. for kids. Um, but I also get to write other stuff too. Uh, so it, it wasn't the origin, it wasn't exactly the plan that I envisioned, um, but it definitely grew
0: out of that initial uh fascination
1: with science fiction and fantasy novels.
0: Okay, that's great. Um, and so I'm a little behind on your 47 books. I admit I've read three. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of work cut out for me. Um, but Some of them are very short. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I could knock <laughs> a few out in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so but I have read the three books in your Evil Librarian series. And for um, those who maybe have not been introduced to it yet, it's The Evil Librarian, Revenge of the Evil Librarian and Curse of the Evil of the Evil Librarian, which just came out in August. Um, so I I would say that they are really humorous and they're kind of horror light. Um, so I was wondering, would you tell our audience a little bit about the books? And, you know, we'll both try not to give away too many spoilers.
1: <laughs> OK, so in the first book, uh, the main character, Sin, which is short for Cynthia, is um, Is the tech director of the school musical, which is Sweeney Todd. She's got what she believes is a hopeless crush on uh, Ryan, the guy who's playing Sweeney and Sweeney Todd, and a best friend who teases her about it, but then develops a crush on the new librarian. The best friend develops a crush on the new high school librarian, who is this young, attractive man, um, very handsome. And unfortunately, he turns out to be an evil demon. You find this out very early. Um Bummer. Not, not a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. <that's>, yeah. <laughs> the, the title kind of hints at Yeah it. gives it um, away a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So he's uh he's actually a demon, not an actual human man. Um there to sort of suck out the life forces of all the kids in the school as part of his plan to get the demon throne in the in the underworld. Um so her best friend is sort of is sort of possessed and um brainwashed. Uh, thinking that you know she's fallen in love with this with this librarian who is not a librarian, and she's not actually in love, and she's sort of under this spell. And Sin has to find a way to save her friend, save the school, also save the school musical, and hopefully, you know, uh, make some progress with her with her love interest, who go, who does, of course, get wrapped up in all the demon stuff. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a little. I mean, I think horror horror light is probably a good description. It's I usually describe it as like a like a YA, uh, funny, romantic, musical theater adventure comedy. Did I leave out something in there? There's usually a string of <laughs> it's got a lot. It's got a lot yes. going. on. But it's more it's more funny than scary. Oh, definitely, sure.
0: definitely. Yeah, I never. I... I didn't have to put the book in the freezer at any point in time. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is your first, these were your first YA books. Is that correct? Yeah. So what, what, what caused you to move into that genre? Um, whereas my, your other books have been before younger readers, right?
1: Right. Um, so this, this, these books, well, let's see. The first evil Librarian book was my, Oh, I should know this. Um, my fourth novel, okay. or my third novel, I—I I was writing it sort of the same time I was writing the third book in my middle grade okay. trilogy. I think that one, I think that one came out after. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I—I I didn't. It wasn't really a plan to move into YA. Mm. It was sort of just the idea that came to me um, you know, happen to be set in high school and that's automatically a a young adult audience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, that's, that's sort of how most of my story ideas go. Like I don't, I don't sort of think, all right, now I'm going to sit down and write this kind of book. It's the idea sort of starts. Um, and it's, and it becomes clear whether this is going to be targeted at older readers or younger readers or very young readers. Mm Um, so yeah, so I, I was interested in writing YA, but it wasn't. I didn't sit down being like, "Okay, I'm going to think of a YA story." Yeah, um, it just happened to be the way it went.
0: Were there any kind of unique challenges with moving into this age category?
1: Um, I mean the the biggest challenge actually was that it was set in the real world. Like, even though it's supernatural mm-hmm. and a lot of unbelievable things happen, it was the first time I was writing a story for a novel set here. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of research of like checking in with my friends from high school, checking in with my friends from theater camp, which is where the second book takes place, mm-hmm. um, talking to my friends who have high school age kids and asking them like, is this how it works yeah. still? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, like there were so many details to get right, um, which I, which I hadn't had to worry about when I'm, when I'm making up the whole world, right. you know, wow. I mean, I still have to keep track of everything, but it's, it's a little different. Right, But you set the rules, um, whereas
0: this there's already some rules set up.
1: <laughs> right, right. And I didn't want to, you know, if you, if you get something wrong, that's the easiest way to like get someone, pull someone right out of a book, mm-hmm. right? Because they, you know, they're just like, well, you don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yep. Um, and teenagers are pretty harsh critics, I'd say.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that happened to me watching Mr. Robot. You, you, have you watched Mr. Oh, Robot? I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> um, I'm just watching the first season, but they actually film a lot of it in my subway station. Oh, okay. And... And they're sitting there in the subway station, like having a conversation and talking about, all right, well, now we have to go to Brooklyn and then we have to go to Coney Island. And it clearly says the subway station name behind them, like they're in Brooklyn. Like anybody <laughs> watching the show who lives in New York is going to know they're already in Brooklyn. And it took me completely out. Yeah. It's a great show,
0: but it took me so out of the story. I'm like, come on. And that was an easy one to check too. <laughs> yeah. I just look behind you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that was the, that was the
1: biggest challenge. Um, mm-hmm. And just, there were things, you know, I hadn't really written a romance
0: before. There's like yeah. a, there's like
1: a tiny bit of, of a romantic. I mean, I wouldn't even. It's,
0: yeah. It's not it's a romance there. novel, but and, there is like a sweet little, there's a sweet little love story. Yeah.
1: Oh no. I meant like in my middle grade, there's like oh, a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this one, like I, I definitely wanted her, um, you know, her love story to be part of the story. Although I, I, it's much more a friendship story. Like her priority is always her friend. Mm-hmm. Um, well, is that true? Hold on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well,
0: sometimes it's, it's Ryan.
1: Yeah. Well, as he becomes more important. Right. Her, yeah. Um, he, he becomes part of that group. That's her top priority. Yeah. But her in the, in the first book, when he's just the love interest, you know, she's not willing to sacrifice her friends for him. Um, and, but I, you know, there, it was, it was fun getting to write a romance. Um, but I had to, again, you know, remember a lot of things from, from high school Um. About the kinds of feelings involved and how it's you know it's a little different from from adult romance. Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> we we sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: and I also it was the first time I was able to swear in a book. Oh yeah, uh, you, you you can't do that for middle grade or in or picture books. Or picture
0: books. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, did you always conceive of this book as a or of this series as a series? I know, like. A lot of YA books are trilogies, um, you know, from The Hunger Games to All the Boys I've Loved Before. Um, Is there kind of like peer pressure in that world to have it be to write in trilogy or is that just kind of a really good way to tell a story?
1: Good question. Um, I didn't write it as... I wrote it as a standalone. I did the okay. first thing, the same, the same thing with my middle grade series. Well, because the middle grade series, that was my first novel. I didn't know if anybody was even going to want it, mm-hmm. so I thought, well, let me
0: just write it as <laughs> yeah. one. Let me book. not get ahead of myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and for this one too, since it was my first YA, and I, it was my first attempt um, at being funny, like on purpose, mm. in a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I thought of it as just a, a standalone, but I definitely left some threads in there on on purpose that I could. Um, continue mm-hmm. if I wanted to continue the series and if my publisher wanted to continue the series. So luckily they did. And I have like, all right, I can, I can pull on these threads now and, and tell it once I knew it was going to be more than one, I knew it would be three. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't think that it would be longer than that. Like I, it seemed, three seemed appropriate and given the time frame of the book, like there are seniors in high school mm-hmm. by the end, you know,
0: yeah, It I mean, just seemed like a natural place to end it. You didn't want to do like the evil librarian in the college years. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm curious with the title being evil librarian, but also, I mean, these are books. So obviously <laughs> you like books. Have you gotten <laughs> any flack for making your character, at least in the first one, he is an evil librarian?
1: Um, I haven't actually librarians have been really supportive of the book, which made me happy. I did I just put a little disclaimer in the acknowledgment mm, that yeah. actually I you know that this is not based on any actual librarians and I love librarians. <laughs> yeah. Um but also, uh, Mr. Gabriel, that's uh his, his human name in the book, is that uh, he's actually a really good librarian when he's when he's filling that role, you know, like he's evil but he like takes care of that library and is very serious about yeah. it. So um I didn't I don't think I gave them a lot to um to be offended by cuz he he you know he does the profession proud in his in his professional life. Yeah. It's just it's side
0: gig that's kind of a problem. Right. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean when I read it I didn't think any I I you know I didn't think you were trashing librarians in the least. <laughs> <laughs> um so Musicals play a big part in this series. Um, as you said, like Cynthia's is this like great set designer. Ryan's kind of the star. Um, and especially in the well, especially the first and second book, um, demons seem to have a real appetite for musicals, especially Sweeney Todd, <laughs> um, which I just thought was really funny um, and great. So tell me what is do you have a lifelong love of musicals? What um, why was that? an element in your story or a huge element really?
1: Um, well, I do. I mean, I, I grew up doing um, musical theater, like community theater and high school theater. And I went to theater camp and not, I like, and I, I mean, it's been a few years since my last show, like mostly now I just do karaoke. Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't have to, <laughs> yeah. I don't have the time to commit to a rehearsal schedule. Um, but I love, 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 love doing it. Mm. And I'm not, I'm very like, Low level, you know, like I'm. Um, I'm in if, if it's a musical, I'm in the chorus. Like nobody's giving me a lead, mm-hmm. um, but that's fine. Like I, I just love the singing and I love um, being part of that experience. And it was such a big part of my high school years mm-hmm. um, that I think it wasn't part of my original concept for the story oh. when I started. I, I, I mean, I only, knew, I didn't, I didn't know very much at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't even I didn't even know there was going to be a librarian. Like that's how little I knew about the story. So did you I just started. have
0: like a demon comes to a high school? Like I had this yeah.
1: interchange between I had the voice of the main character. Okay. It's, it's told in first person in her voice, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so that was important to sort of have that. And I had this little interchange between her and her best friend, where her best friend's teasing her about her crush and says, and I think this ended up in the book, uh, says like, "Oh, it's like you're possessed." Mm. and then and then when she herself has a crush and it's like she's possessed Sin at first is like oh finally like I now I get to tease her but then she's actually literally possessed and it becomes a much different kind of story mm-hmm. um but I didn't I didn't know who was going to be doing the possessing like I knew there would be some supernatural love interest of some sort um but I didn't really know it would be the librarian until that I was writing the scene where she she comes down I mean early in the first book where she's like gushing about the new library. And I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess, guess that's, that's him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: but so once I said it in high school, you know, I was thinking a lot about my own high school experience and, and theater was just a big part of that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring that in. Although I didn't, I didn't work backstage I mean, I worked backstage, like in community theater, everybody works backstage mm-hmm. a little bit, like everybody pitches in, but I'm, I'm no set designer. Certainly like I had to look up a lot of stuff and do some research for um, just about, more of the kinds of things she'd be doing backstage, but I didn't want her to be, I'm not sure why it didn't feel right for her to be somebody who was on stage. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted her to be sort of somebody who worked behind the scenes um, and had this vision that she was trying to to make happen for every show.
0: So did you have to do any research into like demonology or anything? There's a, a, a lot of the scenes were very, I guess it was like, it's very visceral. Like, um, you know, they're drawing like pentagrams in the middle of the library and then I don't know. Is it a spoiler to say that someone goes down to the underworld at least a few times?
1: No, I don't, I don't think that's a spoiler.
0: Um, I didn't do, I think I
1: did any specific research. I may have looked, I mean, I have, you know, I have a big background mm-hmm. in fantasy and supernatural. And, you know, there was a period in high school where I was reading like books on witchcraft and like crystals. Mm-hmm. And I still got, I still got all that stuff in my head okay, you know, yep. and um, lots of different ideas about systems is magic and how things might work. And, um, and the idea of a pentagram or protective symbol, mm-hmm. uh, when dealing with the supernatural is, I mean, it's something I've just encountered everywhere. So okay. that was sort of felt natural to me, but I, I mean, most of the stuff in there, I just, I just made up sort of based on this, on this big pool of, um, of influence from, from growing up and from other things I've read and, mm-hmm. you know, TV shows, I mean, every, everything that sort of feeds into that idea of the supernatural and, and how we might interact.
0: Mm-hmm just backtracking a little bit, but yeah, you talk, you, you, you know, you said you're very much into musical theater and you went to musical theater camp. Um, Mm -hmm. I have never been a part of any of those things, but I still found the book really easy to understand. I was like, how did you go about making sure that the book didn't become just for folks into musicals and, you know, who have that kind of experience or that knowledge already?
1: Oh, that's a good question too. Um, I mean, I tried, I mean, it was especially hard with the the first two books because I wanted I wanted to make sure I put in enough information about like the Sweeney Todd in the first one and the Scarlet Pimpernel in the second mm-hmm. one, so that because parts of the plot are relevant and I wanted people to understand it even if they hadn't seen the plays, um, without like you know going on and on about the plots of the plays for people who didn't care so much about yeah. musical theater, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think it also helps that it was I mean as much. As much as it was important to Sin, most of her other friends, other than Ryan, aren't involved yeah. in musical theater. So she, sure, there were other aspects of her life. And I just tried to focus on the things that were really important to her um, so that it became more just an extension of, like, uh, her interest as the main character and not so much about m- musical theater as an interest in general. like Sort of like... I mean, if it was a book about something else, you know, if something's really important to the main character and you care about the main character, you're going to be invested in what they're trying to do. And I think I just tried to focus on that. Um, There are some there's lots of like little, uh, you know, uh, Easter eggs, I guess, for musical theater fans, because there's like lines from musicals kind of worked into the text uh, into the, you know, narrative sometimes and uh, little references that people will get if they like musical theater, but it won't be, it won't be a problem if they miss it, if they're not, you know, big musical theater fans.
0: Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm curious when you were a teenager, what kind of books were you reading? Were you already into like the adult fantasy books or were you reading YA?
1: Um, I mean, not to, not to date myself too much, but there wasn't as much YA mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> as there is now. Oh, yeah, by I mean, any. It has exploded in the past few years.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so when I grew up, it was mostly adult authors. Like my parents were both um, fantasy and science fiction people. And so sort of as soon as I started to read adult books, like that's what was lying around the house. Mm-hmm. And they had these great covers with like unicorns and spaceships and dragons on them. I was like, wow, I want to read these yeah, books. yeah, sign me up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so in high school, I was still, I was reading a lot of those. I was reading a lot of Stephen King um, I didn't have a lot of interest in like contemporary straight fiction. I mean, I read like Judy Bloom, and I read all the, um, when I was younger, I guess I like chapter books and stuff were maybe more sort of contemporary stories. Um, but once I got a taste of fantasy, like I was, I was just obsessed and that was always, I like, I kind of wasn't interested if it was just the regular world. I'm like, I live in the regular world, you know,
0: (laughs) I want to read about stuff that I can't, um,
1: can't experience.
0: Um now that there are so many YA books and you're <laughs> one of the author, an author of one of them, uh, or three of them. Um do you feel like is that a better way to transition a middle grade readers into adult books? What's the role YA plays in today's reader, do you think?
1: Um I think that's definitely part of it. I think it is a good transition because because now there's so many there's so many YA books now, right? And they're they're actually written with their audience in mind. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're a teenager reading adult books, it's not that it's too hard or too advanced because I mean, most YA, um, I mean, at least the good YA that's out there is, is written. It's very sophisticated. It's not, it's not written down. Mm -hmm. It's just that it, it focuses on things that that teen readers might actually care about and is relevant to their lives. And if you're reading, like I've been reading, rereading a lot of like my childhood favorites um, lately, like my, the novels I read when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. the adult novels. And I'm sort of horrified at some of the things that are in there. I mean, some of them are just old and sexist, and yeah, just (laughs) different times, you know. Um, but but also some of the just some of the adult themes that like weren't, you know, like I wouldn't I wouldn't intentionally put those books in the hand of a sixth grader today. Mm -hmm. You know, like even though I loved them in junior high, I'm not they're not they're just not they're not appropriate. Like there's there's stuff in there that's not, um partially just not relevant and partially maybe just, they're not ready for. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's great that, um, that teen readers have so many options now of books that are actually written with them in mind and don't have to sort of pick and choose what they can take from different adult books that, you know, that are written for a level of life experience that they don't have yet. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so um, what is your background before, before you got your MFA? I think you have an MFA in creative writing, right? <laughs> I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your background, um, before that? So my first
1: job out of, uh, my first real, I mean, my, my first job at all was, uh, after college was, um, I was, I had been working in a bookstore, uh, like vacations and summers. And so I, I graduated with an English degree and no job, you know, cause all my friends were like engineers, like, you know, had, had things lined up and I was like, all right, I guess I'll go back home and work in the bookstore some more. And then, um, not that there was anything wrong with that. No. Um, I love that job. But I uh, I just started applying for every job I could think of that had anything to do with writing. Like I knew I wanted to write books, but I knew I would need a day job. Um, so I applied for advertising jobs and publishing jobs. And there just happened to be an ad. This is back when, when people looked in the, in the paper for, for jobs. So in the New York Times, there was an ad for an editorial assistant at Random House Children's Books. And I thought, oh, well, Random House is the parent company of, like Del Rey is one of their imprints. And Del Rey was one of the fantasy imprints that I loved. And I was like, oh, so maybe I can get this job in children's books. And then, you know, like transition into adult, like once I'm in the door. And I went in, and I'm not sure why they hired me. I think it's because I took one, I mean, I, I had like, you know, writing and publishing credentials, but I wasn't, I had no children's book experience. But I had taken one children's literature class in college. And so maybe they thought I had, you know, that demonstrated interest on my part. Um, but so they hired me. And then I loved it. And it totally foiled my plan <laughs> because I didn't want to leave. Um, it was, I had a wonderful boss who on my first day, she like handed me a stack of manuscripts. And she was like, all right, make yourself a copy of all these. These are, these are all the manuscripts I'm editing right now. I want you to read them. We're going to sit down and talk about your thoughts. Like she, wow. she taught me how to be an editor. She's amazing. That's really cool. And um, yeah, yeah, I was super lucky. And, um, and so I worked on everything from, uh, and it was younger stuff, which is probably why my early children's books are all, are all younger, because mm-hmm. that's where I started. So I, I edited a lot of those. I wrote some stuff, some uncredited stuff uh, in-house. Um, and then I started writing my own stuff and, and submitting it. I mean, and submitting it was a lot easier because I could just like walk down the hall yeah. and be like, Hey, I wrote this. Uh, although they still rejected plenty of things. Um, <clears throat> it just speeded up the process. Yeah, you were just a little bit higher on the slush pile though. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but it was such a great education in, in not just writing and editing, but, um, in all the different formats and the different ways to come at a book and how, I mean, I think that's why I write so many different things now is because my introduction to children's books was that, well, there's all different kinds of stories mm. you can write. And so it never occurred to me to sort of specialize. Like, I just, I like all the things. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do all the things. And then I moved upstate uh, to Ithaca, New York, mm-hmm. and uh, switched to freelancing. And, and then I got a job in the, I was uh, I had gone to Cornell University and then I moved back up to that area. Mm. And I went back to work in the library where I had worked as a student, but I got to work nights and weekends at the library. So I had my days free for writing and it was only 25 hours a week. So I could write during the day. So yeah. And then since then, I moved back to New York City. And then since then, I've had various sort of editing, editing and teaching jobs. Um, Now, obviously I teach at Leslie. Um, That's been, I think I'm on my fourth year Mm
0: -hmm.
1: there. Um, I taught at Gotham Writers Workshop in the city for a little bit. I taught a couple of workshops at the new school. Um, I mean, I think a lot of writers end up doing stuff like this, where you you just sort of take work from lots of different <laughs> lots of different places to sort of support your your writing habit.
0: What do you enjoy about teaching? What What do you try to impart to your students?
1: I mean, part of it part of it, I guess, is very selfish. Like it's it's nice. It's just really it's really nice to think that like, I'm at a point where I have things to share that are helpful and that I can take things from my own personal journey as a writer and help people who are um, earlier in their own journeys and, and sort of share the things that worked for me or try to help them move further along the path. Like that's, I mean, that's just a really nice feeling to have. It's also, I mean, it's also, it's also just fun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, you know, I love, especially since Leslie is, um, is such an intimate program. Like, um, I get to know the students really well. And, um, some of them have become friends, like after graduation and, you know, we're all interested in the same thing. So it's sort of, it's so great to be part of this community of writers, not just, not just people who write, but also people who write in my genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so we sort of have this common, this common bond. And I and I learn a lot from my students, too. I mean, anytime you're looking at someone else's manuscripts and sort of taking apart what they're doing and trying to see what they're trying to do, um, just that process of, of really analyzing a manuscript is, is I mean, you learn so many things you can apply to your own work.
0: Yeah. So how do you keep your ideas flowing? I mean, you have a lot of books, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, in a kind of a variety of areas, as you said. So where do your ideas come from?
1: Oh, that's always a hard question. Yeah. Um, You know, I usually have no idea (laughs) um, where the start of them comes. I mean, I know I started trying to pay attention because now people ask me. Um, And I, you know, I go to schools. I mean, one of the things that children's book authors do that adult authors don't, I think, really get to do is we go to schools and we talk Mm -hmm. to kids about writing and books. And they always want to know where your ideas came from. And it's not very satisfying to tell, you know, to tell a fifth grader. I don't know. You know, yeah. it just sort of came to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Eva Librarian, I mean, I talked about how I had that first little snippet of conversation. But the thing that made me want to start it was that I was actually working on a different book, my my thesis novel, which was much, it was a fantasy, but it was sort of a dark fantasy. Hmm. And it was very serious. And um, I just needed a break. Yeah. <laughs> like feeling oppressed by it. And I was like, I want to find something that's more fun. Um, and so that's what, put my brain sort of in that direction of trying to think of something um, that I could have a little more fun with. Mm. My picture book, Big Me and Mike. I remember, so that's a story about, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar, oh, no, not but <laughs> it's a story about um, Big Me and Mike is the biggest, toughest dog in the neighborhood. He's very concerned with his image. He drives a car, <laughs> like one of those big loud cars, like everyone can see him coming and um, very important to him. And he starts being basically Stalked by these adorable bunnies um, oh, no. that, of course, multiply <laughs> as the story progresses, and he's like really embarrassed and he doesn't know what to do. And uh, but then he starts to like them, but then he's like ashamed of it. Like it's he has to sort of figure out, you know, how much does he really care about what the other dogs think? Is he going to hang out with his new friend. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give away what happened. Okay, yeah, but, no spoilers. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember that idea started. I was coming home. I think I was coming home from ALA mm. or a, a publishing conference and I was in a car, a cab from the airport and I was really tired and I was sort of just looking out the window and I don't remember. I think this is what happened. I saw some things go by that sort of started this idea in my head. I saw a guy go by on a motorcycle. Um, and in the first draft of the story, Big Mean Mike actually rode a motorcycle and didn't, he didn't drive a car mm-hmm. um, and like someone else went by and there was like some dog, you know, sticking his head out the window. And I started just kind of putting those things together in my head yeah. of like, this big tough dog character drove a motorcycle and like, that's who he was. Um, and then I tried to think about, all right, well, so I have to put him in a story, right? Like, I, I like this character, what am I going to do with him? And so I tried to think, well, what's, what's really different? Like, let me try to think of something I can put in a story with him. That's like the opposite of what he is. Mm-hmm. So that's going to create immediately some sort of conflict. Mm-hmm. Um and so in my mind, the opposite of a big, tough dog is a tiny, adorable bunny. <laughs> and, so, and so that's where that idea started, like that idea of these two very different things coming together yeah. and how and how he would deal with it. That well, sounds adorable. Um, <laughs> I like that one. So there's there's often things from from life. You know, I write I mean, I write a lot about libraries, my picture book, Library Lion. Mm-hmm. Um is uh, all of, i mean all about the library obviously and i've I've worked in libraries since junior high school mm-hmm. um as a library monitor and I just you know I'm in love with them as as just places to to work and be and take advantage of um so those those kind of things show up in my books the things that are important to me mm-hmm. just inevitably find a way in
0: yeah do you have any sort of a writing regimen? How do you keep yourself on track
1: yeah so i'm I'm the worst when it comes to writing regimen like (laughs) my students ask me about that and I'm like don't be like me (laughs) um when I'm when I have a deadline I'm very good Mm. and like when I know all right I've got to I've got to be done on this date like that means I've got to do this many words a day or I've got to get through this many chapters in this amount of time um am much better and then I usually do like a word count goal or a chapter goal you know I sort of set up a little a little schedule Um, When I'm not on deadline, like right now I'm working on a book. um, I'm just sort of in the initial stages. And so nobody is particularly waiting for it yet. Um, I mean, my agent would like me to write it and send it to
0: her, but it's. (laughs) She's not totally nonchalant about it. (laughs) Right.
1: She cares. It's just not a, not a, you know, a timeline. So, so it's much harder, especially because I'm balancing teaching and um, I'm still freelance editing and um, because, you know one still needs health insurance. Like right. yeah. It, finding the time to balance all these things, uh, it's always hard. I mean, I I had a student ask me this uh past semester about sort of how how to balance like all the writing with the life stuff and I'm like, Well, if you find out, you let me yeah. know because <laughs> I write a still, book about it. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't figured that out. Um so usually I just try the thing that works best for me, and I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say this because it's such a low bar, but I find that that makes it less, much less stressful for me. I just, I want to touch my book every day. Mm-hmm. So once it gets going, like it's much easier for me to like kind of set up a word count goal and stick to that. Yeah. But in the initial stages, you know, that could be like just jotting down some notes, like anything that's putting me in touch with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's notes on my phone, like while I'm on the subway, uh, just so my brain is, engaged with it. And I can, I can at least believe that my subconscious is working on it, even if I'm not, Mm -hmm. um, that's sort of like the lowest bar. And then once I, once it gets going, um, then I try to make myself commit to like a certain number of words Mm -hmm. uh, a day or a week. Sometimes I do a weekly word goal Mm -hmm. because then if I, if there's one day where I just can't write, I don't have to feel like I failed because I can make up those, those words.
0: You can can cram at the end of the week if you have to. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: Right. I mean, that was, that was something really valuable. I learned from my my own MFA experience, like just how many words I could write in a day (laughs) if I had to, you know, like I had to hand it in. So 10 pages a day, I'm going to do it, you know? Yep.
0: Yep. Do you need any sort of setup? Like, I mean, I know you said you, you jot down notes on your phone or, you know, kind of when stuff comes to you, but when you're just trying Mm -hmm. to get that word count in, do you need to be at your desk in a quiet place?
1: I'm trying to get better about writing during the day, but my my favorite time to write is at night um on my little couch, and uh you know, like I dim the lights and I've got my music and I've got my laptop on my lap and i'm working um and that's pretty much my favorite but i I mean I'll work anywhere you know yeah. <laughs> i'll work on uh, work on trains, I'll work in coffee shops yeah. sometimes that helps too like I'll meet friends and go out to write um if i just it's like you know setting that kind of writing appointment will sometimes help if i'm in if I'm in a rut or I feel like I'm not getting enough done,
0: yeah how much does having a community of writers help you out in your process? It's it's
1: really important um, on a support level. Mm-hmm.
0: Like I don't, I don't
1: share drafts with people. I mean, very rarely. I just don't, I don't want anyone in there with me yeah. until <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten through a draft. So I do, I do have readers who read like, like third drafts of my novels. usually. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them are writers. But my writer friends, it's mostly commiseration (laughs) and um, and encouragement. So my writer friends are important for just reminding me that it's okay if I hate it right now. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've done it before and I can do it again. And like all those things that I need to hear from people who have been there. Yeah, Um, It's really important.
0: Yeah, that's crucial. So what is next for you? I mean, you're... Um, the final book in the trilogy is was out in August. Do you have another mm-hmm. book that's already kind of waiting to hit print?
1: I do not, and that's it's the first time in a while i've like usually by the time a book comes out, I've known i mean at least for like the past decade, I've known what the next thing is gonna be mm-hmm. like it's already under contract. it has a pub date um so this is the first time I kind of took a little break um I'm going to blame some of that on my, on my boyfriend. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent a lot more time on my personal life in the past year. Um, healthy, so though, slower you know. getting. No, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to complain. I'm not sorry, yeah. but it's been a, an adjustment. Um, So I'm trying to sort of uh refocus. And so I've got this new novel I'm working on, um, which I hope wins my next thing. It's a middle grade fantasy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh but nobody's seen it yet. Okay. So it's it's still kind of up in the air. I have a I have another YA that I'm working on um that I have a complete outline for and I'm excited about but it, it you know, it's just sometimes one project feels like the one that wants your attention yep. at a given time, so I had to put that one aside uh to focus on this middle grade. And then I have a few picture books um that are in process but not not quite there yet.
0: Do you think you'll stick with books for kids and young adults?
1: I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, I have no great desire to write for adults mm-hmm. specifically anymore. Like I, I find the kinds of writing that I'm doing so fulfilling that it's not, I mean, that's, a, that's a thing that children's book authors get asked sometimes. Um, I mean, it's not how you asked it, but people will some, sometimes be like, Oh, so, you know, when are you going to write a book for grownups?
0: Like, as if you need to like graduate a, to that or something.
1: Right. Um, and it's, it's, I love what I do now. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't feel like there's some hole I need to fill, mm. but if I, if, but if I had an idea um, that, you know, that needed to be an adult book, I would write it. Um, I'll just be guided by the idea. Like, I don't, I don't think it's impossible, but I'm not actively like trying to think of things
0: I can write for adults. Yeah. 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 Um, Cause I I just like where I am. Yeah. Well, that's great. (laughs) Contentment is a very good thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to try something new with you today. I wanted to try kind of a lightning round where you just kind of (laughs) pop off answers and we'll see if it works. (laughs) Um, So what's the weirdest or strangest book idea you've ever had?
1: I tried to write a picture book about um, a a stalk of asparagus as the main character. Okay. (laughs) I like it. Didn't, didn't go very far. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which of your books would you most want to see made into a movie, a TV show, or maybe a musical?
1: Definitely the Evil Librarian series, I think. I think it would be really fun. I would love to see that. I would love for Joss Whedon to, to direct it. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. We goal. have a director, too.
0: Great. <laughs> we'll call him up. Um. What author most inspires you right now?
1: I'm going to say, I mean, I'm going to say my, well, because She's okay. So, Lois, <laughs> <laughs> Lois McMaster Bujold is pretty much my favorite writer right now. Okay. Um, she writes, she's an adult science fiction and fantasy writer. Um, she's, I just find her very, she writes these characters that I love so much, like, like, possibly more than I have loved any character. Mm. And I mean, I don't know if that's fair to say. I love a lot of characters, but, but I particularly like whenever I listen to the audiobook sort of over and over again because mm. she has a great narrator too. And I, um, like if I'm stressed or anything, like I like that's immediately when I want to hear. Like I just feel like they're they're old friends. Like she, and I'm fascinated by how she manages to do that. Like she creates these people who I just like wish I could hang out with in real life. And I'm so invested in what's happening to them. And then she also writes these great sort of science fiction and fantasy adventure stories. Mm. Um, and she combines all these elements uh, of just like world building and character development and plot, like. And she's just a very smart writer. Like the, everything she does, I'm I'm constantly trying to figure out how she does it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so impressed by her all the time.
0: So, what book are you currently reading?
1: So I'm I've always got like a print book and an audiobook going. The audiobook that I'm listening to is "Strange the Dreamer" by Lanny Taylor, which is a which is a YA book and uh, is just beautiful. Like it's it's almost depressing. Like, <laughs> like wow. <laughs> He's a really good writer. Yeah. <laughs> so, like the and listening to it, it's it's just beautiful. In print, I'm reading *A Plague of Giants* by okay. like Kevin Hearn, I think that's how to say his name: mm-hmm. H-E-A-R-N-E, uh, which is an adult fantasy. Like I just, I was having a craving for like adult, like the the kinds of the kinds of stuff that I loved in high school. Mm-hmm. Basically, like I was, and this is like he's got a really interesting narrative style. I've never read him before. I sort of encountered him on Twitter. Um, and thought he was interesting and then looked at his books.
0: Um, and here's the last question. If you could go on vacation with any of your characters, which one would it be and why?
1: Oh, (laughs) that's, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) can I, can I pick the dragon from my, from my fantasy novel? Of course. I, I feel like that would be, that would be very fun. Um, we could go off and have an adventure together. Nice.
0: Um, <laughs> and what What is the name of that of that book series? Just so we know. Um,
1: so that's the the fir- it's it's the Trillian series, okay. which is uh, that's the name of the of the kingdom in the book. The first book is called The Dragon of Trillian.
0: Okay. Are right, you guys gonna hang out at the beach? Yeah. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We could go
1: anywhere. He flies very fast.
0: Oh, sweet! Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty handy guy to have around. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for indulging me with that um, experimental lightning round. And thank you so much for speaking with me today. No, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. We're going to take next week off for Thanksgiving. But if you enjoyed this interview and are looking for more discussions with YA authors, let me recommend our episodes with Jason Reynolds, author of Long Way Down and host of other bestsellers, and Katie Katigno, author of How to Love, Fireworks, 99 Days, and more. The links are in the show notes. We'll be back December 3rd with another great episode. Also, in the meantime, if you'd like to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing and help other people to find the show. And if you have any questions, you can always email us at news at leslie.edu. And remember, Leslie is spelled L-E-S-L-E-Y. Thanks a bunch. Happy Thanksgiving.